on today's episode of Gathering the Kings. In construction, those are going to be your two biggest things. You got to be profitable and customers have to be happy. If you're not going to have happy customers, then you, you might as well go work for somebody else. You are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf, featuring fellow seven, eight, and even nine figure business owners who have real battle scars from business and life, but have prevailed as the king that they are designed to be. We welcome high-performing entrepreneurs to the stage in order to reveal the real of the real on what it takes to build a successful business today. We dissect the good and bad decisions they've made along the way that give a true and accurate picture of the journey of success and how you too can get there. Through this dialogue, you will learn the value of growing your network and surrounding yourself with power players and kings like today's guest. Grab your pen and notebook because we're about to dive in. What's up, everybody? Chaz Wolf, Gathering the Kings podcast. Got a special one here today. I've got Max and Shulock. Am I saying the last name right, Max? Close enough. You're, Close. I, I, I don't blame you. <laughs> Shuliak is how it goes. Shuliak. It's interesting. I've asked some of my guests with the most simple John Smith names. Hey, this is how I say your name, right? And then I always forget with the guy that I actually should have asked. But Max, we've been having a good time already. We're just now hitting the record button. Just for the listener's sake here, I'm going to give just a little bit of a background. <laughs> Max pops up on the screen here today, and I'm holding my my six-week-old infant. My, my wife, we have other kids, and she got caught downstairs, and a baby wakes up, and she can't get to it. I'm in between calls, and here I am holding baby, feeding her. And Max and I realized that we had a baby 10 days apart. We're both sleep deprived, running businesses, <laughs> trying to hold down a family. And so Max, thank you for being here, but tell us what kind of business that you got and we'll get this thing launched off. So I'm in a contracting business construction. Basically we do everything. I, there's so many businesses out there that do either specific trades. I open sure. business to purposely be able to provide a customer a one-stop one experience for everything. So whether it's small, big, commercial, you name it, we'll take care of it kind of thing. Yeah. Love it. Okay. And so my question to every guest at the very beginning is you've obviously been a certain level of success. Otherwise we wouldn't have invited you on. Why have you been building is the first part of the question. The second part is why are you still building? Because you've obviously already reached a certain level of success and you're a young guy too, man. A lot of young guys want to build it and then retire. <laughs> what are you doing, man? Why are you still at it? I call what you're saying. A lot of young guys that they get, get to a certain level and they stop. I call that the philosophers. They call them philosophers. They'll, they'll tell you a million ways to become a millionaire. They'll make maybe a couple hundred thousand. They'll be like, sweet. I bought this fancy car. I can show that I, you know, a, a guru or successful. I just have the mentality that, you know, it's never enough with your family aspect, your spiritual aspect. You're always trying to strive to grow and keep getting better and better saying that you're perfect. It just shows that you're prideful and you're not perfect kind of thing. Right. The reason I keep going is because first off, you know, family, you want to make a better life for them and to impact people around you. That's a million reasons that I probably do, but I'd say those are probably the top few. If you're able to be a good example for other people of how a business should be run, of how client interactions should be, then, you know, why not be able to spread something that will actually benefit the rest? Kind of yeah. Thing. It's pretty, pretty mature mindset that you're speaking from in, inside Gathering the Kings Mastermind. We talk about kingship or the mindset of a king. 
and how it's more outwardly focused. And obviously at a certain level in life, certain level in business that you're taking care of, of course, your family, your team, the community that you're involved with. It's just more about others as opposed to just you. There has to be just you for a period of time. We call that the warrior stage. But at 24 years old, man, you're talking like a king. Tell me how, what has happened? What's transpired in in your life, in your career to where you can be at 24 years old, have an uber successful business and be thinking and saying the things that you are right now. So I'd say most of that would go to just my upbringing, how I was raised. I was raised more in a conservative family. We immigrated here. I was one year old. So I've been in America for 23 years, basically my whole life. Could still yeah. speak the language fluently and read and write, that kind of thing. But when we grew up, my dad was working three jobs. When we first came to this, there's already three of us. I come from a family of six wow. and he was working hard, providing for the family. He had a masonry company that I started working in, helped him grow that. And then he went into the trucking industry and about age 17, that's when I opened my business. And ever since I was a kid, I never, I always gravitated towards adults, towards older people, because it just, for some reason, like playing video games, it didn't like, that was not something I was attracted to. Me and my brother once bought a PS4 and we literally played a lot of it for one month and we got bored of it and we literally just tossed it. Like we didn't even bother selling, we just tossed it. Like this is boring. That's just like. The, the mentality of we want to do something more than just what everybody else is doing. Yeah. And that's how being around the older people. And I was a 16, 17 year old kid. And I was meeting people that are way more successful and people right. that have their lives figured out. And that kind of just led me to just be more mature and the values and things that I go with. And then I think a big part of it is my spiritual life. God guides me to be a good Christian person. And but it correlates into the business and everything. So I you know that's where the good yeah. morals and the standards come from as well. Yeah. Obviously you're talking about a legacy of your parents, not only just work ethic, but just a standard of living, right? Of just, this yeah. is the way that the family does things where it sounds like they're about excellence. Sounds like you're about, you even mentioned the experience of the customer. Like, I, I don't know too many 24 year olds, let alone 24 year old business owners talking about experience and how to have the best experience for your clients. But the reality of it is that you've been doing this for darn near 10 years and you've put in the work, you put in some hours, you put in, you put in some decisions as we'll get to. And and that's, what's led you to where you are. Anything else you want to say there about just your upbringing? I just obviously such a unique perspective from a cultural perspective, as well as just being in Nebraska compared to where your parents are from is obviously just very different. Anything else you want to add there? Yeah, no, upbringing wise, yeah, conservative family, it's more of you need to do these things to be successful, this and this, and it doesn't, your parents want you to be successful, but they're them wanting you to be successful does not directly correlate to you actually being successful. That's where it comes down to being persistent. Consistent, you have to have that self-drive, like why are you doing it? I started and people like, you can't do this. You're not going to have success, this and this. And it's like, you have to build the thick skin, which that's not going to be handed to you from your parents. Your parents can only give you advice. They're not going to force you to do anything. They'll give you the advice and the balls in your court to, are you going to be successful? Or are you just going to be like every other person there? In a sense, I guess as a kid, I probably maybe thought I was a little bit better than some of the other people, but then that mentality really quickly changed when, you know, business and just life humbles you really quick. 
And it doesn't matter if you make $10 million or if you make $100,000, they're both equal people. Like you're the same person. Yeah, still a human perspective. Exactly. One thing that you said off air before we hit the record button is you were talking about obviously being young and people doubting you. And not that it's necessarily been a main driver per se. I'll show you. But obviously Mm -hmm. there's a, like you said, you shelf it. You put it in the backdrop of, let me go ahead and get this done to be able to prove them wrong. Talk on that level for just a half second. I'm sure we've got plenty of listeners that are still in their 20s or even 30s super young from a like business perspective, a lot of years ahead of them. Yeah. What would you say from like a youth getting it done perspective? Getting it done. Like you've got to find what your true motivator is. Like your true motivator cannot be, I'm going to show you, or I'm going to show them because chances are you're going to lead the business in more of that kind of mentality, which is not going to really lead to success. If you're going to just do it just to show them, then you're going to start showing off. You're going to start splurging too much. And you're just going to leave, lead your business down, like in a downfall, just having, you're always going to, no matter what business you run, you're always going to have people that are going to doubt you that you're going to, they're going to say, you know, you're not going to succeed, but then until you actually succeed, even when I was successful and say, maybe I bought a nicer thing, or I was able to afford something nice because that's in the reality, that's how people picture you Judge if it, you yeah. come with a nice car or something like oh this dude actually make made it but then even at then that point they still doubt you so to have that be the main factor of i'm going to prove them it's a very dumb i think decision because it doesn't matter if you buy a lamborghini and then a rolls royce and you keep going they're still going to doubt you and think you didn't buy that somebody else bought that for you i get a common thing of oh your dad gave you the business your dad helped you out yeah my dad's taught me a lot but as far as like opening the business. This wasn't his masonry company that was handed to me. I didn't get his clientele. It was a completely different thing. So yeah, Yeah. that's just, it's the mentality. Like do not put that as like your main thing because it's probably not going to lead you to success. Yeah. You're so right. Haters are going to hate and we all know that, but along the way, it looks like doubt. It looks like I can remember being 24. I was at your age. I was signing uh, I was buying a $500,000 business and assigning a lease for five plus thousand dollars a month. And they were concerned that I would be able to pay for it because I was 24 and nothing to do with business. Yeah. Yeah. It's to us. It's okay. We're signing this and it feels normal, but to any other say mortgage officer, they're probably like, what is this dude doing? Am right. I taking a gamble that it's going to go backwards for me? Or it's that kind of thing. It's, it happens. All yeah. The time. Yeah. Exactly. You've been doing this for a minute. And so maybe we have to go back into some of the earlier years, but I want to know of a good decision that you made on the way to the first million, if you will, where it was just like, you can think back. It's a moment in time. You know exactly what the decision was. Share it with us so that we can go repeat it, please. So the decision that really put me is into the next earning level, selecting clientele. Like you you have to really do a good job of vetting your clients. Like you don't want to be so desperate to the point that like, yeah, you're starting your business. It's like, you're just, you won't work. You're grabbing things as they come. I ended up losing probably hundred thousand for my first two years, like consecutively both years lost that money. And that was actually jobs I completed that I should have gotten paid for, but it was people that saw an opportunity that they were able to take advantage of young guy didn't have the necessary contracts in place things like that. You're only 17, 18 years old. You shouldn't be making this kind of money. When I was 17 or whatever, I was only making this kind of money. So here's some money to get lost. Well, you're already trying to make ends meet at the first couple of years. So it's like hiring an attorney or lawyer. It's not really worth it chasing that money. So it's once I made the decision, you know, and at times it's literally certain culture groups. If you're 
Russian, you probably want to steer clear from those kind of people because they're going to be like, oh, this is my friend, this and this. And they're going to treat you more as like a friend versus, okay, this is actually a business deal. This is not the client chooses what they do. It's like, no, everything's set in stone, which now I wouldn't probably, even though I have like contracts and stuff in place now, I still would steer clear from that customer because it's the amount of headache and the amount of time you're going to, you're never going to find a perfect customer, but you still should be checking your customers. Like if a customer's shopping around for me, I'm usually, I tell them I'm probably not the best fit. If you're gathering estimates from a bunch of people, you're probably looking for the cheapest price. I'm not going to be your cheapest price at all, but I'm going to be your best work. So if you want best work, it's not going to be cheap, but if you want it fast and cheap, it's not going to be good, that kind of thing. So the biggest thing, as when I change that mentality of, okay, these customers I'm not going to do work for or friends and family. Yeah. I've actually just bit the same. What's that saying goes in Russian. It's a little different, but it's, uh, I just stepped on the same rake. Kind oh, of, yeah. you know, he stepped on a rake and it's like I said, I would never help. I, not that I would never help, but I, I would steer clear from helping out friends, this kind of thing. Yeah. Here I am. I did it again. And now I regret everything <laughs> all over again. So it's that's probably what changed when I started doing customers that were more legitimate customers that were, yeah. you tell them this is how it goes and they respect your advice. They're not trying to teach you how to run the business. With other customers, you'll get them and it's, I want this, but I'm going to show you how to do this. Yeah. I'm the person you hired, you want to do it. So you tell me how you want it done, you know, what you want done and I'll do it how it should be done kind of thing. But that was probably the biggest yeah, decision. Yeah, double-edged sword for you. I think for the listener, they're going to have to decipher for themselves. But for you, obviously doing projects as a young man, and then on top of that, doing projects inside of your own cultural community for you, Russian, yeah. it didn't give you the built-in authority, right? It's like in the Bible, the cities where Jesus was most, or where he grew up is where he yeah. got kicked out of. You know, It's like, you're not yeah. welcome in your own home type of a thing. And I actually experienced the same thing when I had already had multiple, I think I had seven or eight companies at this point. I was in real estate, lots of franchising, and mm-hmm. I decided to create a sales course. And uh, I had been top sales guy in an organization of 3,000 plus salespeople. And so you would think that naturally that is a, a pool of people who'd be like, I would pay to know the secrets of the top guy who the average person's making 50 to 80,000 and he was making 500. Like, yeah, I would want to know that. Oh, oh, it's just Chaz. I wouldn't pay for that. I was like, wait, what? It's a double standard almost. It's crazy, but it's true. And so your solution to that was, okay, let me obviously get some contracts in place, be legitimate myself, but then now go and seek, not that the other customers weren't legitimate, but go seek clients who want real projects done that are looking for an expert, which that's what you are able to deem value your time. Exactly. Yep. They value your time versus just, oh, it's all, you're just another contract that shows up, which it's, you offer free estimates for, but then at, at times it's like, that's where you want to be super attentive to your time is you could go 365 days in the year and do 500 estimates and you only got one of them. Eh, that's probably right. not a good statistic. You wasted right. so much more time that you could have been making money. But yeah. I think so it's, it's an important thing of being a people person. It comes over time. You can kind of sense when somebody's going to be a good fit or if somebody's, you know, not going to be a good fit. So if I come up to a customer and this customer's telling me like, this is what I need done. I need it done this way. This, that's probably not a customer you want to work with because they're going to be standing over your shoulder telling you how it should be done when you are the one with experience knowing how it should be done. Right. When you come to a customer that says, here's a $50,000 check, go do the job. 
I trust that's the customer that you want to be striving for and going for. Yeah, it's funny. I saw a meme a couple of years ago, but it, it brings me up. It's like the $500 client responds with, when, what are the next expectations? When are we meeting next? And da, 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 all the questions. Yeah. And then the five or the 50,000 is money sent, see it, see you next week. Or that's all it is. Yeah. Yeah. Oftentimes, like I'll get customers that literally they'll write me a check and they'll be like, just let me know when you're ready to start, get these materials ordered, that kind of thing. And sometimes, like right now, the huge issue with all the material shortages is like we have one job. Lady wrote me a $25,000 check. I bought the materials. We've been waiting three months now and I still can't get her materials. And it's like, it sucks, but it's, that's the world we live in. So yeah, yeah, is what it is. And good communication, I'm sure with her showing her receipts of the product being purchased and the update on the order, all that's probably. She's not even that kind of person. Like she trusts, she, I could show her the receipts if she wanted that, but she trusts. I've gotten partial of that order in and it's just the, the small details which i don't want to tear up her yard and her house and then it's right. like you're short those little things and then it's you leave her in a mess i want to be able to come in get it done in one go and get out kind of thing a calmer for the customer yeah exactly love that okay what about a bad choice something that you did along the way that you're smirking so i already know there's a story please share there's plenty of bad choices <laughs> to say the least there's plenty of choices whether it's hiring people whether it's losing money to find yeah. a one that was i guess Heck, to this day, I make bad choices. Like, you're never going to be a perfect business owner, to say the least. You might not follow your books too close and you paid something that you probably should have paid. You paid something, you paid yourself first before paying what you should have paid. It happens like you're a business owner. You have a lot of things going on. Things like that are going to happen. Don't beat yourself up about it. But I'd say the worst decision I've probably ever made was going back to those customers and losing $200,000 in the first couple of years of the business. But then it's like, you know, any other person would probably be like, screw this. I'm out of this business. I can get a nine to five any day of the week. People like you and I, we can go to any company and they'll give us a nine to five, but it's like, oh, yeah. we have way more potential than nine to five. Why would we accept something that mediocre kind of thing? Yeah. I'm trying to think to see if there's anything that was all. There's been yeah, I mean, obviously bad decisions. Yeah. There's a lot of little ones along the way. The one I'm hearing you say is obviously just the choosing the clients wisely because you didn't. And so you talked there for a half second. You said out of desperation, really. You were new, you were young, you were hungry. Definitely grow facial hair to all the guys out there. Grow the facial hair. Even if it's a little patch, grow it out. Customers will add you five years automatically there. So I had at least I had a little bit of facial hair going for me at age 17, 18. Yeah, that's funny. But super practical. You're right. It's funny. The beard does the same thing for me. But I think that the sharing piece here is don't be so desperate where you're making bad choices. Exactly. It'll cost you more in the long run. Yeah, maybe you won't have work for two months out of the year, but that's better than being X amount of dollars in the hole because you made that bad decision. Yeah. Patience, on honestly, nothing happens overnight. And most business owners know that. But if you don't know that, it's not going to happen overnight unless it's like the lottery and you're handed a bunch of money overnight. But right. the outcome of something like that, statistics, lottery winners are usually not doing too well. Yeah, exactly. Okay. What sort of discipline or maybe even process principles do you live by now when it comes to decision-making? So discipline, first and foremost, if it's a really important decision, I'll ask my wife, keep her in the loop. We'll pray about it. We're spiritual family. We believe in God, Christian family. So that's probably the biggest thing is, you know, um, and if you're not a Christian person, I would say be patient on making all the decisions. Don't rush into everything because the worst thing you can do is say, 
yeah, this works or I'll do it or sign that contract. And then you have some kind of regrets. So it's like you sign a lease. Typically you're stuck for a year with that lease. Same thing in business. If you sign something, it's usually hard, very hard to get out of it. And most of the times maybe you could get out of it, but it would look very unprofessional on sure. your side to renege on the deal that yep. kind of thing. Discipline-wise before decisions is first think about it. I've caught myself so many times I give an answer right away mm-hmm. and then it's shoot, like I just totally underbid that job because I gave them a verbal estimate or mm-hmm. I just totally just butchered what it actually should have been. And now, you know, and at that point you man up and you do what you said you were going to do, even right. if it costs you a loss. So you just whatever, just give it at least a day or overnight think on it. If somebody's trying to pressure you into an answer, Hey, I need an answer now. Yes or no. You just tell the person, most people are very understanding. So I just need a day to think about this. I need to sit down, weigh all the options, look at the pluses and minuses, the benefits before I can make a decision. And any educated person will let you do that and agree with you and be supportive of it. Any person that doesn't uh, agree with something like that's probably not somebody you really would want to work with too, because that whole deal is going to be a nightmare for you. If he needs just everything like snap of the fingers kind of thing. Yeah. No, what I'm hearing you say is poise, the ability to process information. Mm -hmm. But what I'm not hearing you say is delay or procrastinate. I'm hearing you say have poise. And so whether that's three minutes or an overnight, take the time necessary to process whatever type of decision that is in a thoughtful and intentional way. Would you add anything to that? I think you, you basically summed it up very well. Just you don't make a decision to get married or overnight. Like it's boom, she's the one I'm getting made or over. Yeah. There's one off instances of that, but it's think about any other decision you've made in your life. When have you ever just said, I'm going to go buy a million dollar business. It doesn't happen overnight. Unless you're already a serial entrepreneur, then that kind of stuff is just like, boom, you're like, which next business am I going to? Being a business owner looks very attractive to all the other world, but in reality, it's not really that attractive because I've helped multiple people open businesses, all their paperwork, all that kind of stuff. And they're like, man, I didn't think it was going to be this hard. And I tried to explain it to you, man. You haven't even gotten to you marketing yourself yet. (laughs) It's like, you haven't even gotten to there. Just wait till, you know, what happens in the future. Then you'll really realize what what it means to be a business owner. So people think it's easy. And then they say, oh, I thought this would be easier. It's like, it's not. (laughs) Yeah. And then you offer them a job and sometimes like I'm coming. (laughs) Well, so now we're just talking about the difference between an entrepreneur and an entrepreneur. I think every good entrepreneur is going to be able to locate or attract or find the entrepreneur who they want to run, they have autonomy. I've got several key roles inside of different businesses that I have where it's, you want to be an owner, but the role is inside the business. It's not like me where it's like visionary working on the business. It's like, you've got a task, you've got a role, great, but they want to have autonomy. They want to be able to run something. Great. That's a good partnership. That's a good way to hone their skill and hone yours. Exactly. Obviously for those folks, it's not the quote unquote nine to five. It's them being able to have the autonomy and freedom of what entrepreneurialism looks like, but inside almost like a little bit of a safety net of someone else's risk taking, stick my neck out there. On company dollar. That's right. And there's value in that, both sides. I think that a lot of elite entrepreneurs know that. If you're listening here today and that's the first time you've heard that, there are people out there who would love to run their own business, but they are stuck in the angle of risk taking or they don't have money, or even if they had the money, they're not going to spend it, but they'll spend yours. (laughs) Exactly. And business owners don't just because you're a business owner doesn't mean you got a bunch of money. Like 
it, right. being a business owner does not mean you got loads. Like once you get, you know, things established and you're getting built, but even then, once you get stuff built, you're always looking to spend that money onto a new business. Right. You're, when you're a true entrepreneur, you're not going to sit on, okay, I got one business. You get bored. It's okay, time to get the next business going next one, next one. So it's, you're always moving, you're innovating, you're trying to move forward. You're not right. complacent and good with just where you are. That's right. hundred percent. Okay. I want to switch the focus here of the questions, a little different angle. I want to ask you a question about metrics. I want you to dwindle the entire construction business that you have down into one trackable metric. If you can only pick one metric to track forever and ever, what would the one metric be? Profit. Okay. Why? Because if you're not profitable, there's no point of you having the business. That's probably the biggest thing. And so many business owners that I know don't even know how much profit they're making on a job. So it's, yeah, you do all this volume, you have a nice truck, you have a nice car, but it's like, how much are you really making? If you're making a 5% profit and you're doing 10% 10 jobs a year, you're not doing it the right way. If I'm doing, if I was only doing 10 jobs a year, I'd need at least 50 plus percent profit to make it worth my while. As the smaller the profit, the more volume you have to have. The larger the profit, the less volume you can get away with. Profit is, that's one thing that I, it really taught me because it was like, I'm making great money, but where's all this money going? And then I realized right. I'm not charging enough. Like I'm the kind of person that I will do 20 extra steps than the contractor next to me. If I'm building a deck and code passes this, I'm going to do 20 extra steps. Like if that customer on the deck has some can lights that are rusted, the ceiling fans looking droopy, I will pay out of pocket, go buy a $200 ceiling fan and $20 can lights. And I'll replace those while I'm there. Because that is literally, it just makes a night and day difference. And nobody else is going to do that. So therefore, my profit has to be more than everybody else's. That's probably just the biggest metric for construction to track. Because you're, if you're not tracking your profit, you can get, it can really get away from you because material costs are very high. Before it used to be, you know, materials and then labor, labor was two times what materials are. Well, now a, a basic deck, you could not basic deck, a nicer deck will run you $20,000 just for the composite material, material and the railing. So right. it's, that'd probably be the metric I'd want to make sure just all business owners track very well. Otherwise, yeah. you'll get yourself in a lot of trouble. And I've been there multiple times. It's not the end of the world. You just got to you cut your personal spending. You figure out the business. And you keep moving. So that's right. And what you just said, I cut the personal expenses and you focus on the business. It goes back to even the beginning of why profit's important is because for the guy that has the nice truck that has maybe his phone paid for and and he's living what appears to be a decent life, but he has no idea what the profit margin on the business is because he's not treating the business as a separate entity, a thing. He just, Mm -hmm. he and the business are the same. And I lived in that world for a long time. And so if they're not separate, meaning that the business has to be profitable on its own after you get paid now, pay yourself a reasonable deal. It doesn't have to be super high, but after you, then the business is tracked on its own. And if it doesn't stand on its own, then you have nothing of value. You have your, you have yourself a job. You own your job. (laughs) Yeah. So if you can't step away from the business and I could make you six figures all year long being in the business, but will your business make you six figures once you leave? Say you took a year off from the business, would you still be making that same income? And that's really the thing I'm, it's really hitting me because I'm realizing, okay, like I could probably get this thing running for X amount of months, but the, the goal is to get itself independent. Let's keep that. Let's keep that vein. I'm going to skip ahead a couple of questions here. My question to you is if you only had one 
hour each week to run your business. How would you successfully do that and still be able to obviously run the business? One hour each week to run the business. What do you so do inside you, that hour? Yeah, you would definitely have to have people in place that would be able to do everything else. You'd have to have estimator, project managers, people that could do all everything else. And then you would basically be the consultant of the business. And that hour would be, you would check the books. You don't need to check them in detail. Your main thing would be your profit. If that thing business is raking in a profit, you got your business in the right hands. And then just maybe I'd probably be checking up on one or two customers, just customer experience. Call them and be like, how was your experience? Anything we need to improve on? That kind of thing. Because in construction, those are going to be your two biggest thing. You got to be profitable and customers have to be happy. If you're not going to have happy customers, you know, then yeah. you, you might as well go work for somebody else. Yeah. Love, love the mindset there. And you're right. You eventually, as you say, become a consultant for the business, which means that you've delegated or you've entrusted every mm -hmm. actual role. You become an investor. Trusting people is not, it's is hard, but per, for me, especially because I, I am like a micromanager, like crazy. Like I have to be ins and outs of everything. So being able to just let go and let people do things, yeah. even simple things like it, before, sometimes I'll still do some installs and just even the simple thing of letting one of the guys do some silicone in a shower. It's like, man, that stuff has to be perfect. Cause I like you walk in the shower, that's what, and it's, I mean, I know I can do it perfectly, but is this guy going to do it? You'll never know until you let him. And that's what I have to tell myself a lot of times. Like, dude, yeah. You're not going to know if this person is capable unless you let him try. And if you don't let them try it, you'll be the, you'll always be the one putting it in. Yeah. And I hate doing silicone. So, I'm <laughs> so you got to empower somebody else. What book would you recommend Max for a six figure business owner? For books. I personally, since I'm so on the go, I don't really have, I like more podcasts. Yeah, of course. Yeah. What um, would you recommend? So my favorite podcasts, most of the podcasts I listen to are more like builder podcasts, like rising or build. He's in Texas. And yeah. he builds, he's the person that I follow because the stuff he puts in his house is as higher end finishes, sure. like the technical stuff yeah. of the house, like the bones, the, the guts of the house are very good. And he kind of just talks about different kinds of ways to leverage different things. I want to have more time to do more books and that kind of thing. But what I'm hearing you say is get into the industry, learn, like you got to know the industry, yeah. you got to know what's up on the industry. You got to always be innovative. So I've read a bunch of books. I'm honestly, I go based off lists of other entrepreneurs. So whoever, you know, is like, hey, these are the 10 books I recommend to read and I'll throw them in an audio book and just kind of listen to it. I'm also the kind of person that if I'm doing million things at once, I'm probably not going to retain any of that information. Right. Uh, but if I'm doing a podcast and people are talking in the background, that kind of stuff I can remember. Whereas like a straight up book, I'm the kind of person, if I'm reading a book, I want to jot notes, that kind of thing. So I can sure, get sure. value out of it. So I, I need to start getting more onto the book side. And that's one thing I got to work on. So there's some good ones out there. <laughs> hey, but that, hey, that's okay. In all seriousness, what I took away from all that is we all have different learning styles, right? Where I have never been big on podcasts until recently, right? Of course, there's several good ones, thousands of them actually. But the reality of it is that for me, a book, an audible book, is fantastic. Of course, I've got plenty of books and I've read hundreds like in paper mm -hmm. form, sat down, but, but audible is a great, cause I, cause that's the thing I can do while I'm working out. If I'm working out and I'm listening to a book, I'm, I retain it. If I'm doing anything else, my mind is thinking 
about business and all these other things and I can't retain it. It's just too much going on. But when I'm working out, I, it's, I'm focused. I got one thing on my mind, squeeze, mm -hmm. lift and squeeze. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so then therefore the book works. Anyway, I so appreciate that perspective. It is not a matter of how many books have we read in order no. to be successful. It's, are we pressing into development really? Exactly. Yep. Okay. What do you think about networking and or masterminding with other entrepreneurs? I think it's great. It's very necessary actually, because it like here in Lincoln, Nebraska, especially like everybody knows what, who does and what it's a bigger town. We have about 280,000 people here, but yeah. it's, it's thousand people is a lot, but yeah. It's not that much. Like uh -huh. it's it, word travels fast, quick. And so it's knowing different kind of people, meeting different kind of people. Like yeah. I, the new business venture that I wanted to partake in probably wouldn't have happened if I wasn't networking. We're going to be partnering with this guy on this deal. And it's, and it doesn't even need to be related to the industry that you're in. That's so it's, and if you were, if I hadn't networked, gone out and talked to other people, yeah. Then I, the opportunity, you will never find the opportunities that are out there. They're even waiting for you there until you actually go out there and try to grab those opportunities. Cause it, yeah. it, opportunities can come in different shapes and forms. Like it come through a person, it can come through your computer. It, it, there's just so many different opportunities all over. And it's just, yeah. it's up for you to go out and grab them. Yeah. Sometimes they come through a computer with a beard. Exactly. Okay. Yes. <laughs> That's right. But in all seriousness, I love what you said there about doing another business. I haven't actually had too many guests refer to networking or masterminding as something to be able to propel opportunity. Obviously there's tons of ways or reasons to get around other people, ideas mm -hmm. and accountability and relationships, all this incredible stuff that you can do inside of a networking event and, or more, more probably importantly, a mastermind. But what you just talked about as far as like connecting with specific people to be able to grow new opportunities, that is a whole nother level. In fact, it just for just a half second here, I'm going to give like a little plug on Gathering the Kings because inside that was not my intention. When I started Gathering the Kings Mastermind, I did not intend to put people in a room so that we could do business together. It was, hey, I want to know what you've been through struggles and vice versa so we can help each other and yep. like actually mastermind, yeah. grow our businesses through together. the benefit of the table, right? But I'll tell you what, man, in the group right now, there's six new businesses being formed and or partnerships happening because it's, dude, that thing that you just talked about, that's a really great idea. I'll jump in on that with you. And it's like, where do you find somebody who's, yeah, I'll put up money for that. Or, hey, I know a guy who can run that for us or whatever. You're talking about like just a, another level of business mindset and business interaction, communication, relationships, all this stuff. You're like, dude, we've been successful in our own businesses. No. I bet you if we came together on this one's going to be successful too. <laughs> exactly. And it doesn't mean like the people think oftentimes that you have to be a seven or eight figure business owner to start a new business. No, you don't. Right. It's really just the mindset of never having enough. There's no, as an entrepreneur, there should never be like an epitome of success. There's different markers that will show you, okay, I'm on the right path. I'm doing well, but you're never doing great. You should never be doing great as an entrepreneur because there's always more greatness waiting for you up ahead kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. So. yeah. I had a client a couple of years ago say that the when I was asking, hey, what'd you get out of this? What'd you get out of the relationship with me, my team and so forth? And he was like, honestly, you introduced me to the person I was meant to be. And it's like, when you think about what you just said, as far as like, I'm feeling pretty good about the trajectory I'm on, but mm -hmm. man, the guy, the Chaz 10 years from now, he's still in the works. I want to meet that guy. And that's why so many businesses fail is because they're, 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 it's so narrow thinking. Like they're like, 
I have one business and I just need to keep that one afloat and that's it. It's like, no, I have one business. I need to make that stable to where I don't have to touch it. I'm on to the next business and then on to the next. And then the next thing you know, you got multiple revenue streams coming from all these businesses. And then you're able to do the sky's the limit when it comes down to financially, you're able to help people. You're able to open to more businesses. It's just yep. an avenue of opportunity. It is a unique way of thinking of things and call it serial entrepreneurship because there, even myself, it's not a, there's a lot of people that want to think like that, but there's what I have found is that we, you and me, cause you just identified yourself as one of me. <laughs> people think we're crazy, bro. And we kind of are, and that's okay. I'm okay with that. I realize that starting the next thing onto the next thing, it's not like you do seven things at once, but you do what you're saying. You build one thing and you build system and then you can move on. So I think there's obviously like a, like there's a process to that, but when you're never satisfied and you're hungry for the next project, um, exactly. you can be labeled a little cry cry. Okay. I got one more question for you, Max. You ready? Yeah. If you lost it all, what would you do? I don't even got to think about that. You'd start all over again. It, whether it's heck, I'd even start in the same industry just to show myself that I can actually do it. I can say I've, I've lost everything twice. First two years of business. I've lost, I lost hundred K and then I lost another one. And it, it's like money you didn't point, even have actually. <laughs> I didn't even have the money to begin with to lose it. So if That's I right. lost it all, I'd start right back up again. It's being, I think you as a person just have to know that, you know, even if you fail, like failure to me is not even, if I start a new business, just in case we fail. No, there's, you shouldn't have that thought process. Like right. it shouldn't even be like that afterthought in the back of the head. Like yep. this isn't, it's not going to fail regardless because I'm going to find the people I need that have enough experience to make this work. And I'm going to work as hard as I need. If I have to work, 30 hour days only if there's only 24 hour days kind of thing. And that's where it really depends on how you, who you are as a person. Love the mindset. How can the listener connect with you, brother? The listener can connect with me however they want, man. I'm, I'm an easy person to find and I live in Lincoln, Nebraska. Okay. <laughs> 402-580-9548. Call me, text me anytime. I'm usually not sleeping. Just like Chaz, we got two kids. Uh, so I'm usually up and about. I'm usually sitting here in this office most yep. of the day anyway. There you go. Facebook page, Prime Built Construction, Google page. We're working on doing some more marketing, that kind of thing. But honestly, we're so far out that yeah. I get so many people calling to do advertising. I'm like, yeah, dude, it's I, tough. I don't even want to advertise because it's hard to making construction and tractable industry is very hard. It's not every kid's like, dude, I want to be a construction worker now. You got to do a lot more to get somebody to stay in construction, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. The mindset's been incredible. I appreciate you uh, giving me the flexibility at the beginning of no our time problem. here to <laughs> feed my baby girl and, and yours just 10 days older. That's... I hope that you get some sleep and we're going to continue this conversation. We, the crazies have found each other and we're going to keep it alive somehow, some way. So exactly. appreciate you being here. We wish you nothing but blessing on your family and your businesses. Thank you. Same to you, man. Thanks for listening to Gathering the Kings. We hope you got a ton of value today and learned a thing or two about taking your business to seven figures and beyond. If you desire more and want a community around you to help you get there, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. That's gatheringthekings.com. And I want you to apply for our next Becoming a King 90-Day Intensive. We are extremely exclusive by nature as a group. What that means is that we're really wanting only the entrepreneurs who take their business and targets super serious to apply. So if that's you, you think you got what it takes to level up your business, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com and apply. And we will see you on the other side.